And what that does is it completely challenges your mindset when it comes to no code. You're like, okay, you took a game console and you put it in a browser. So now what's stopping me from hooking up my controller or like hooking up an API backend, you know, to this front end that you created and using it? And the answer is nothing. Nothing is holding you back. And so with no code, I'm trying to basically bring together the top companies in no code, the top makers, and I'm going to feature their work on a weekly basis and connect the community in a way that it's not been connected before. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earn the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Until tomorrow, No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello. My name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts and from the experiences of other makers the answers about money, marketing, and mindset so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is considered to be a hero by many no-code makers. His name is Sako or Sarkis Bunyatian, and building startup after startup, that's something he does. Developing hyper-realistic prototypes for others, it's what he's an expert in. And from pushing no-code tools to the bleeding edge to teaching makers how to launch their vision into an MVP, he has been through it all. And today, we will talk about his journey his perspective on no-code, and the reality of no-code entrepreneurship. The good days, bad days, successes, challenges, and everything in between. Sako, how are you today? Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really you know, excited about this interview, and I would like to begin first by asking you, what is the story that brought you today to who you are and to seeing the power and the potential of no code? Um, You know, I've been in tech, I've been in the restaurant industry, I'm in biotech at the moment. I'm trying to just take what I've learned as a designer and apply it to industries that are maybe underserved. Um, And with the problem with that abstract approach is that you are constantly at the mercy of developers, right? You can design these products, you can design these solutions, but you can't execute them on your own. And that's been a uh, kind of a through line across my career. Is like I've always been trying to liberate myself and develop my own ideas the way that I would, you know, picture them in my mind. And no code tools have allowed me to do that before no code was even a thing. You know, for the last five, ten years, I've been experimenting, experimenting with many different tools, 
until eventually I landed on Webflow and I realized that this could be my primary uh, solution, kind of like my Photoshop for the web. And I could execute most of my ideas, even if it was just kind of the initial version of it. It was a prototype or an MVP. And I could validate my ideas quickly. I could express myself freely to developers, to investors, designers, uh, users around the world. And then I could go develop that concept once it was validated. So I kind of, over time, I developed my own playbook, my own no-code playbook, if you will. And it worked very well. I was able to raise over a million dollars myself uh, early on in my career. I was able to develop a few companies using that same approach. And uh, you know, eventually with no-code this year, I felt like it was the right time uh, to, to share that knowledge with the community. So, because initially it was just like NoCo tools were perceived as just kind of website builders. They weren't really perceived as, you know, tools that you could develop products with, you know? Um, and that's been kind of one of my frustrations is that NoCo is constantly perceived as just a website builder when really it's, uh, it's automation. It's automating so much of the behaviors that we have in the world today. Um, it allows regular people to express themselves and develop their ideas within weeks instead of months or years. And in many cases, you could do this for free. So I realized, okay, most of my work, you know, working with companies, I help companies validate their ideas early on, building these prototypes and MVPs for them. And most of my work is under NDA. So I was like, okay, how about I just build popular uh, services that most people know about, right? And this would demonstrate that, okay, if one person could, for example, rebuild the PlayStation 4 interface like I did, or rebuild like Civilization 6 and an entire game and rebuild that, you know, within uh, using no-code tools, then that would, I think, you know, prove a point. That would prove what's possible with these tools. And that's what I've been doing for the last past year. Um, and I, my passion right now for the coming months and years is going to be to constantly push, push these tools to the bleeding edge in whatever way I can, in ways that people have never seen before, and hopefully inspire them to take their career uh, into their own hands, their destiny into their own hands. That's what NoCode represents to me. And the, on a final point, I would say the NoCode for those who don't, under, don't understand it, is very simply put, it, just tools that allow you to interact with code visually by clicking instead of typing. That's it. It's not some mysterious thing. No-code tools have been around for a long time before we even called them no-code tools. But now it's becoming really hot because uh, people who are not developers are starting to develop uh, websites and services that normally would require a tremendous amount of code. So that's why no-code is really popular today. I love that. And yes, I have done my first no-code project without calling it that. It was what you see is what you get at the time, yeah. called in 1998. Yeah. So, and I began coding in 1996 at the time. So it's exciting to see how everything that was exciting in the past can get a new life and turn it to something much more powerful than it used to be. Absolutely. I have to ask you. So right now, you're pushing these tools to the edge and showing people what is possible with no-code tools and how it, it gives into the hands of non-techies or non-coders so much power mm -hmm. to validate and create their idea. And what is your one focus right now? Like, if I ask you if you could achieve one goal uh, relating to your work in the next 12 months, which one would be the most important goal of them all? In terms of uh, the no-code space? Yes. In no-code space, uh, there is a platform I'm creating today called Makerverse. 
And the idea is that we want to take this wild, wild west that is no code today, right? It's just filled with thousands of tools and newsletters and makers and, and all types of content. It's really become very, very noisy and extremely saturated to the point where we don't even know what no code is anymore. It's just like everything is no code, right? It's almost becoming this buzzword, kind of like what, the way AI did. Everything is now AI, right? And so with no code, I'm trying to basically bring together the top companies in no code, the top makers, and I'm going to feature their work on a weekly basis and connect the community in a way that it's not been connected before. So that's going to be my main focus for the next 12 months, including uh, finding other ways, like, for example, organizing weekly meetups, uh, events, and so on. And I've already convinced some of the top companies and makers to come together, and they've all agreed that, you know, what we need to do is not just create more platforms and more uh, channels for people to follow, right? We don't need a hundred more Twitter accounts. What we need is a way for the best work in the no code. Like uh, not just, you know, like a good example is like Civilization 6 or PS4 and so on. I've, I've been very fortunate to be supported by many of these companies, right? They, uh, Vlad Maglin, for example, back in January was very kind to uh, retweet uh, and, and post my work, the PS4, which is how most people know me today. But many other amazing makers aren't as fortunate. They don't have the access to these channels. And I think that by creating a platform that can encourage, motivate, and uplift uh, and elevate the community, it would open up new opportunities that just don't exist today. So that's what I'd like to focus on right now. I love that idea. And it's necessary. It's absolutely needed right now. And to create that, what is the challenge or the thing that could be on the way from making that happen that you're working on solving right now? Or do you think it will be easy and something that will simply happen? It All it needs is a bit of time. Yeah, my philosophy in life and in business is never compete. Don't try to be number one. Be the only one. If you're competing, then you're just a little better than everybody else. But when you're creating something unique, something that truly challenges the status quo, you've created your own, your own game, essentially. You, you dictate the rules. You set the rules yourself. So you're not competing with anyone else. So you're competing with yourself. And at that point, it becomes much easier to convince, for example, makers to work with you. In my case, I've had 100% success rate. Anyone I've shared Makerverse with has been absolutely enthralled and excited. I'm saying, yeah, you know what? I'd love to be part of this. Why? Because it's exclusive content. This is not content you're going to find anywhere else on the internet. This is all coming from the top uh, top uh, content creators, from the top you know, designers and developers and companies and so on. So when, when I explained it to the community, I said, listen, if you want, we need to represent ourselves okay, as a community. We need to set the stage. When someone first comes into NoCode, they don't know anything about us, right? Completely out of left field. They just arrive out of the blue. They have to have a place where they can go, not to just learn about no code, right? No code tools and so on. MakerPad is doing an incredible job. That's their sphere. They're like the Wikipedia of no code, right? It's great. It's amazing. Shout out to Ben, uh, Tom, and the rest. But when it comes to uh, showcasing the best of no code, that is not done well at all. It really is extremely saturated, extremely messy. And that's why no code is very often just pulled together with these kind of uh, primitive kind of website builders and template creators and so on. People just assume that, you know, no code is just a gimmick, which is why it's so important to have projects like mine and many other amazing makers out there. 
But unfortunately, that work isn't the first thing that you see. The first thing that you see is just a lot of experimentation, which is great, right? A lot of makers just trying their hand at no-code for the first time. But it leaves the impression that no-code is very amateur, that that's just what it is. It's just landing pages and things like that. But then when you see something like Civilization VI, which features over 12,000 elements, you know, all running simultaneously on a single page, that pushed Webflow completely off the cliff in terms of performance, you know, and it just hums through it. And you're like, okay, this is insane. Like, first of all, how can one person do that in just a couple of weeks? And how could that thing actually run in the browser, right? To the point where Firaxis and Sid Meier, the creators of the game, actually reached out to me and said, dude, this is so cool. Like, we want to sit down and talk to you. And that's my point. I want to show makers the way of like, this is how we can get from point A to point B. This is how you can go from just being a freelancer to actually being an influencer. And you can actually change the way no-code tools are used today. This is such early days for no-code. So I think the main challenge that I have right now is just laying that foundation correctly. It needs to be sustainable. This shouldn't just be something that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, let's just create, you know, a website real quick and put it on product hunt. This needs to be planned out really well, very, very carefully. And we have to make sure that it can be consistent, that we can publish on time, that everything can be done, you know, very professionally. I need Makerverse to be the most professional no-code, you know, platform out there today. And that's going to be tough. You know, you have to really like regulate. You have to go talk to all the makers, make sure that content is coming at the right time, right? With Makerverse, it's not me that's creating this content. This content is coming from other makers so and other, you know, companies and so on. So we have to have a way to make sure that on a weekly or biweekly basis, uh, we have all of this, you know, content just streaming in on time. And we can share that with the community and also build those relationships, you know, uh, as a classic example. And you know, let's say, you know, we have good relationships with Webflow, Bubble and so on. When these companies are featuring their exclusive content inside Makerverse, which is that, you know, every on every week or two, we send out uh, we send out the link to our website, our issue, if you will. You know, so you get a quick update um, by email uh, mentioning that, OK, the, this week's Makerverse is out. And then you go to the website to view the content. And it's all summarized. This is not long form editorial content. This is just actionable content. This is stuff that really gives you immediate value, like code snippets. You're getting, you know, automation tips and tricks. You're getting just real content that really change, you know, can motivate you and uh, take your workflow to the next level. Um, this content needs to be completely structured in a way that you know you can really interact with freely. It shouldn't feel like you're going through this bloated, you know, like newsletter that's really difficult to read and consume. It needs to be very easy to consume, very visual. So um, when a, let's say, an upcoming maker comes, comes up, you know, who just built something really phenomenal, but only has 50 followers on Twitter. When we have 10, 20, 30,000 followers in Makerverse, for example, subscribers, we can take that maker and feature it right next to that exclusive content from Webflow and Bubble and so on. So you are immediately going to the big leagues. You came out of your village and you're going straight to the big leagues. And you're able to be featured next to Vlad Magdalene, the CEO of Webflow, and, and uh, many other amazing makers and creators and founders out there. And that's really what Makerverse is about. So I think the challenge here is finding a way to balance that because there's so much content out there. You know, So how do you actually go through that, that ocean of noise, right? That ocean of information 
and actually bring out the best. And I think we're gonna we're gonna get through that. You know, uh, it's gonna be a very interesting experiment to see how we actually do that because it hasn't really been done in no code today. We're not talking about just you know just another newsletter or something. We're talking about essentially turning this into the face, uh, into the spotlight of no code, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. And the other companies and makers I'm talking to, this is why everyone is on board because they're like, this is unbiased. This is not just like, oh, web flows, web, you know, newsletter or something. This is completely neutral. It's not taking any particular product or any particular maker's side. It's all about exclusivity. And, and you know, it has to be completely sustainable. So we also have to consider the pricing models and so on. Yes, I love that idea. And the value is there in what you said and the exclusivity, which is creating your own green field. That's what it's called in positioning. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you, since you mentioned clearly that the importance of showcasing great makers who don't have a big following so that they get yes. discovered and move into the big leagues, mm-hmm. what I'm curious, what was your strategy or process or the way that you turned yourself into somebody who was new in no code to becoming really, really known? Like, did you do anything specifically? Did you have a strategy and a habit and a consistent workflow to get known? And can you share that with us? Yeah, it's very simple, shock and awe. So what what I did with the community is I started sharing projects and sharing clonables that the community had never seen before. So on a consistent basis, and challenging the community's mindset when it comes to no-code tools. So if I can build anything, right? Let's say I want to build a clonable. I want to build a project that can go viral, right? I have a choice. I could go build a website. I could go rebuild some service that people are known for. What I chose was particular projects that you simply would not expect to see in a browser. Like I didn't rebuild Sony's website. I took a game console and I rebuilt it in Webflow and I put it in your browser window. And what that does is it completely challenges your mindset when it comes to no code. You're like, okay, you took a game console and you put it in a browser. So now what's stopping me from hooking up my controller or like hooking up an API backend, you know, to this front end that you created and using it? And the answer is nothing. Nothing is holding you back. Then the argument comes to well, Civilization Six. It's like, holy shit, you basically rebuilt the entire UI UX of this game, including pretty much every feature in that game, apart from the game itself. So what's stopping you from, for what's stopping game developers? What's stopping designers from prototyping their ideas using no-code tools very quickly without, with, simply by clicking, not typing, no code, nothing, just visually, just the same way that you would create a poster in Photoshop, you create an entire game in Webflow. You know, what's stopping you? And the answer is nothing. So my projects, my strategy was always to create uh, clonables and create free content for the community. Just amazing content for the community that would blur the lines of what they think no code is. And that strategy worked extremely well. So I went from literally like 50 followers or something back in January all the way to 3,000. And I did that completely organically. I made that a, a point. I didn't do any hacks. I didn't do anything. I, I just thought, you know what? What can I do to build these relationships with the community? And I did. And uh, we did something in February. We did like a no code challenge. It was like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, for example, of no code, where you had like two or three minutes to like build something in Webflow. You have to record it and put it live. And that just went viral. Then in you know March, we did a no code rumble, which I organized the first 
kind of like a hackathon where instead of competing with other people for like two days or something and then giving an award to somebody, you actually I actually brought together eight makers. I didn't know any of these people. And I said, okay, virtually we're going to spend the next few weeks and we're going to build eight products and we're going to record the entire process. And then the um, best product voted by the community, not by me, not by some judges, by the entire community gets $8,000 courtesy of Michael Gill and Codeless Ventures. And that worked like a charm. Again, we immediately went viral. Like people had never seen that before. It's like, holy shit, like you put together not just one product, but one developer built eight products within like four or five weeks. How is that even possible? It's like, well, there you go. That's the power of no code. So my strategy consistently has been to, this is what I mean by pushing the no code, pushing no code to the bleeding edge and making you rethink, reconsider your position on these tools. And that's how I built relationships with these companies as well. And again, most of the stuff I'm telling you about, anyone could have done this, but they didn't. Though what companies want to see is not a portfolio filled with 50 different products, 50 different landing pages. You could have one project in your portfolio, but it needs to show the type of problems you can solve. So for example, my strategy from throughout my career has, has been never chase clients release something, publish something that makes them come after you. So when, you know, any, every few months, every couple of months, for example, I just release something like the PS4 or Civilization 6, and I get like 20, 30 companies coming after me and saying, hey, we'd love to, be to, work, we'd love to work with you. And I get to just pick one or two of my favorite projects and go focus on that. That's been my strategy across the board, and I'm trying to teach that strategy now to other makers. It's the way, I mean, if you're chasing clients in a way, it means you don't have enough value to have clients come to you, which is what they will assume, even if you have that value. And therefore, it's both better for them because yeah. they value you more and yeah. for yourself that you get more value by being the person who doesn't chase. And we're almost out of time, but what would be the your expectation or prediction in the next three years, for example, what do you expect and predict will happen in the no-code space when it comes both to the tools, the people, the number of people who will mm -hmm. enter it, its impact on the world and all that? I think that in a few years, uh, no-code tools are going to nail the back-end experience. Right now, we're nailing the front-end experience. Being able to you know create websites very easily and UIs and UXs and so on, but when it comes to the back end, you know we're still getting there, like creating workflows, creating complex logic. That's really what's missing right now. That's why a lot of this developers, designers, they scoff at no code tools. They're like, well, you know, you can't even do this, like something simple, like this JavaScript, you know, uh, function that you, that you know would be very easy to do with code. You can't do with no code, and they always try to find some way of you know. Uh, by day, I'm not talking about everyone, of course, but there's, you know, a vast, a vast majority of the designers that have never really experienced no code tools yet. Um, they, they like to, you know, be cynical. And I understand, you know, when, when you've been doing code for so many years and then some, someone just shows up one day and says, hey, I can do what you do. You kind of look at that as like, come on, man, like sit down. You know, it's not that easy. And I agree. You know, I'm sick of this code versus no code stuff. No code is not a replacement for code. No code augments code. It allows you to interact with code more efficiently. You know, it's just a front end experience essentially. Um, and 
I think that over the next few years, the code and no code are going to be bridged together. We're going to see more better communication between designers and developers. We're going to see more opportunities open up. And ultimately, we're going to be able to build very uh, complex applications using no code. Most things you're going to be able to build already with no code. It's going to automate most of the workflows that are out there today. But it's never going to get to a point where, in my opinion, where you just basically just uh, over, over, you know, overshadow developers. You know, it's, it's never going to happen. Like code is so complex and it's evolving so quickly that I kind of feel that a good way to think of it is code does it first and then no code automates it, right? Think about, you know, the way things have been from the beginning. First, we used the, the you know, developers built websites and then developers built a platform that could automate that process. So I feel like that's how it's going to be always. No code is always going to be right behind code. It's right behind the developers because they're the ones building the automation for us. So I think that's a very healthy relationship. And I think that the, mo the thing I look forward to the most in no code is the relationship that non-developers are going to have with developers in the coming years. Right now, it's very early. There's a lot of naivete, I think. There's a lot of misconceptions. And there's also some amazing things that are happening. And I feel like that noise is going to dissipate. I feel like there are some bubbles that need to burst when it comes to no code as well. I feel like there's just so much happening right now. Uh, but once things you know settle down a little more, I think that this in, the no code is going to just mature. And I think the term no code is just going to disappear eventually. It's going to turn into visual development. That's really what it is. It's visual development. It's not no code. No code is a very easy kind of buzzword to use. You know, It's a marketing term. Um, and that's why it's used so often. That's why Webflow introduced it into the community, and it's great for what it for for this point in time. But I think eventually, you know, uh, developers and non-developers alike will understand that this is just another way of saying develop visually. I love that. It's absolutely really. I mean, I can feel your passion and your vision for the future. And if people want to learn more about you and about Makerverse and uh, your projects that are coming up, where can they find you? Where should they go? And what are your links? Uh, so you can go follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash sakisbunyatian. Uh, you can also follow uh, twitter.com slash the protocore, P-R-O-T-O-C-O-R-E, protocore. Um, that, so Makerverse is going to be a product of protocore. Um, and uh, you can also uh, see my work at webflow.com slash S-A-R-K-S if you want to see the weird abstract projects I'm referring to. <laughs> you can go check it out there. And uh, yeah, leave a shout out. I'd love to answer any questions you guys have if you run into any issues. Feel free. Thank you, Sako. It was wonderful, and I wish you a great day. Well, thanks so much, man. All the best. And before we go, actually, Tell me, what, what's your plan for the next 12 months? You've been doing amazing work with the podcast. Thank you. I've been interviewing a lot of people. And, well, I will share it with you and with the community very, very uh, soon when I launch my newsletter. So, oh, I can't wait, man. Mm -hmm.